And welcome back. George Nori with Teresa Chung. Teresa, why do some dreams seem to reoccur? Again, it's very similar to the nightmare scenario. It's because you've not learned the message that is trying to to impart to you that you haven't got the revelation from the dream that you need to so the dreaming mind is just sort of persisting and okay here we go again because you're not quite getting what i'm trying to tell you as soon as you understand what this dream is showcasing to you or reminding you of or alerting you to you will find that that recurring dream stops just like that yeah yeah, I mean, it might resurface again, but with slightly different, you know, um, <laughs> a different setting or a different person. I mean, the similar theme might occur, but you won't have the same, exactly the same dream again if you learn what that dream is trying to tell you. Because as I say, your dreams are problem solvers. That's what they do. Your dreaming mind problem solves what's going on in your waking life. And it's trying to help you think outside the box and to actually understand that everything you need within you, everything you need for your healing and personal growth and to find meaning is is within you if you could just connect to it and understand it. I mean, I've had some dreams that are fun dreams, that are scary dreams, that are bizarre dreams. They just, there's all kinds, aren't there? Oh, there are all kinds. It's one, I mean, and there'll be more, more and more. I mean, there's infinite possibility in our dreams. It's, it's, the ultimate playground, the greatest show on earth, really, that we can have when we fall asleep. And as I said, I've dedicated my life to trying to get people excited about falling asleep. And I hope many of my books are a cure for insomnia, <laughs> my British humor there. But I mean, I really do. I want people to think, well, perhaps the most exciting adventure now starts when I'm, I'm letting the material Logic and reason go. I'm letting go. There's beauty in letting go because unless you let go of something, you can't open yourself up to something new. And every night when you go to sleep, it's a beautiful experience. You are letting go. It's ultimate trust when you fall asleep. You are trusting that your body's going to do what it has to do. You are trusting that the sun's going to come up the next morning. You don't go to bed worrying about that, do you? You just let go and in that letting go, there's beauty of it. You open yourself up to this wild and wonderful nocturnal um, canvas where you are the artist, the director, the experiencer, the explorer. Everything is there waiting for you. But we've been conditioned over the years to not trust that. We've been conditioned that other people, society, struck other, other, other expectations of others matter more than what's within us. How did this journey begin for you? I was born into a family of traveling psychics and spiritualists in the UK. Um, I was home educated, um, which was very unusual back then. Um, And somehow, I don't know how it happened, I I was able to uh, earn a place at King's College, Cambridge University, to read theology and religion and English, um, and I did that because my, my passion was actually to, to work in, in the church. I wanted to, to, to be a female vicar at the time. I was very, very, very committed to that. But when I went to a, a hothouse like Cambridge, I was exposed to all other religions, and I began the journey that many people do, is that they realize there's tremendous beauty in the Christian message, and I'm still very in tune with it. But other religions also have great value. They're all paths to heaven, or, or, or source, 
um, but also that we are all spiritual beings having a human experience. Now, of course, when I was at Cambridge, that was a very, you know, trying to get academic approval for that kind of, of thinking um, was difficult. And I realized that at that time, the academic study of dreams in particular was deemed unscientific. So I had to find ways around it. But when I left university, the blessing of my life was that I was able to draw on that academic grounding to then be offered by mainstream publishers book after book in this area. And anyone who follows me will know that I'm I'm a serial, not a serial killer, I'm a serial writer. <laughs> so no, I don't think you're a serial killer. killer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe there's a part. But what I, I've written so many books, and I and people say, you know, I've oh, since about the 90, late 1990s, I've had at least one or two books out coming out each year. It's um, it's a miracle actually that I've been able to do that because Britain is quite skeptical, really, and especially in the early days when I was doing it, my books would come out and they'd suddenly fly to the top ten in the Sunday Times. I did a story, angel story collections. I was gathering stories of people who believed in angels or oh, experienced sure. them. Absolutely. And I I, I I have experience of that myself. I, I, I love that. So I what I do is I do a little introduction with here's my personal experience and what my upbringing taught me about angels. Now here's what people are telling me. And there will be beautiful story, a beautiful story about angel saved my life, an angel healed me, an angel called my name, all these wonderful stories. And I ended up writing fifteen of them to Simon and Schuster and HarperCollins. But there was never any promotion of these books because it was almost like the publishers didn't quite understand why they were speaking to people. This is a different time, you know, as science and skepticism was ruling the day. But what I did is I just felt like it was it was going to be God or heaven, whatever. I would produce these books, put them out in the world, and and just see what happened. I didn't promote them. I wasn't as confident as I am now. I didn't. I was very. I was very much an invisible writer. But these books, they flew up the Sunday Times bestseller list, and the publisher kept signing and signing and signing me again. But then, what happened at about ten years ago? I wanted to do more than just collect stories and say, "Well, I believe." I believe there's something more that, you know, direct personal experience. I wanted to do something more. So what I did, first of all, is I started to debate, debate with skeptics. I, um, I, I would go on very intense skeptic podcasts and trying to, you know, and, and debate because I wanted to debate. I wanted to learn what they were saying and why they were so against this message. And um, I loved that work and actually found a newfound respect for skeptics. I think they have wonderful, curious minds and they're just seeking meaning as we all are. I also started to do my first sort of celebrity podcast. I went on Russell Brand under the skin, actually. That was, and he was very, very, at the time when he was um, talking to me, he was very deep into the science, Jordan Peterson and all that. It was a, if you ever want to laugh, actually, everyone go and watch my 2019 interview with him. He's very much in the news now for all the wrong reasons. And I'm oh, the horrible reasons. Horrible. Yeah, awful. But I spent three hours actually recording uh, for his YouTube channel, um, Intuition and Mysticism in the Material World. It's uh, it's on there, and it's a bit of a car crash interview because it's the first interview I'd ever done with a very big celebrity, and I didn't realize it would be visual. <laughs> and that comes across. As, it's actually un unintentionally funny, but that's another story. But then what I did, the big journey was... I reached out to scientists, and I was a bit nervous because I thought that they would tell me, this is nonsense, this is all woo-woo. And what I found is that this is, again, my kind of like, there was a purpose for my life um, going to Cambridge. But because I had those credentials, for, for better or for worse, they, they were willing to talk to me, allow me to interview them, 
I, I collaborated with them. I wrote a book with Dr. Julia Mossbridge, The Premonition Code, about premonitions. Um, I was able to do blogs with them, go to their presentations, and work with them. And I do think it's because the journey of my life has been because I had that academic grounding years ago that they allowed me in as a non-scientist, because it was actually very nerve-wracking approaching scientists, because I speak from the heart and, and from personal belief, and when you work with scientists, that's not how they work. First and foremost, whatever their belief, they are a scientist. It's data, data, data. But it also gave me a passion to focus on people collecting their own personal data to kind of prove to themselves that they are a dreaming being and a citizen scientist in a way. And dream work is one of the best ways to do that because it's the least overwhelming, the least scary, the least sensational. And it's something we all do. And I love it, actually, when I do do media that they always come across skeptical, but they always want to know what their dreams mean. <laughs> you know, they always want that. And it's absolutely lovely um, when that happens, because I'm, I'm connecting to them on a spiritual level, because people don't realize when they share their dreams, they're sharing a very deep part of themselves. You could call it their soul. So I treat it with the utmost respect whenever people share their dreams with me. And I can tell you, I've had thousands of dreams shared with me over the years. Um, I feel very privileged to be in that position now, having written so many books. Sorry, that was a long, long rambling journey to where I am today. <laughs> Let's go to the calls as they line up for you. First time caller, Michael in Atlanta, Georgia. Hello, Michael. Go ahead. Hi. Um, first, um, I like to say, well, never mind, never mind. So I had this one dream that was profound to me because I'm an actor and it was like a dream I've never had before. It was more real. It was the most realist, the, the most real dream I've ever had. Okay. And it was the David Bowie. And so we were floating through space. We we're flying through space. And I'm sure he was telling me some great things. And the next morning I wake up and I find out that he died that night. And so I heard your comment. Yeah. And so, and I'd never dreamed about it. I've never had a dream about David Bowie in my life. I did. I mean, I like David Bowie, but I'm not like a big David Bowie, like, you know, fanatic. And so I, 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 I guess my first question is, should I pursue? Like, was he trying to come to me in his dream? I mean, he died that night. We're, we're yes, you are a precognitive being. Again, I love this because we've been talking about dream research now shifting towards dreams being precognitions of potential futures. But, of course, you tapped into something here that actually happened in real life, as many did people did actually before 9-11. I was, I was sent saxes. Um, I, I have a record of it that a few weeks before people were dreaming of towers and planes, there is this mysterious ability within people, within us all, to kind of sense a potential future. Now, yours played out, and wow, 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 Michael. Cherish that. What I'd love you to do now is to start writing down your dreams because you've had the proof. You've had the data now. What are you waiting for? So you've had the proof that you've got this precognitive potential. Write down your dreams. Spend time decoding them. But most important of all, what you need to do is you need to go back in time. That's the third important step people forget with their dream work. They sometimes write them down and they sometimes decode them. But what they don't do is they don't go back a couple of weeks and see what their dreams were predicting or sensing or suggesting about the future. If you start doing that, you're probably going to start gathering more and more proof. And this will strengthen your belief. 
Because the more you believe that you are a precognitive being, the more you are going to have these precognitions, not just when you're asleep, but also when you're awake. And also the fact that you're in space, I mean, that's all about, it's a powerful symbol, isn't it? A dream symbol mm-hmm, sure is. of going beyond limiting concepts or boundaries, right? An expanded awareness. Um, so it's a, it's a very, very exciting symbol. And of course, David Bowie, with his famous song as well. So it's, it, it, I mean, just be careful, though, that, you know, keep your foot, we're still on this earth, so keep your foot in both worlds. Don't get too spaced out with it, forgive the pun, but dreams love puns. Don't let it, you know, completely you know, head in the clouds. Keep your feet firmly on the ground, but know for sure that because you had this dream about David Bowie passing before he did, you are clearly precognitive. And what you maybe lack is someone saying, yes, go for it, trust it, record your dreams, backtrack, and see how they are sensing the future. I absolutely love this. Let's go back to Michael for his follow-up. I love it. Michael, you had a follow-up? Go ahead. Uh, Well, it was, um, like, my follow-up was, like, dying dreams when you die in a dream. And it was the same kind of scenario. I was, uh, at this point in my dream, I was a famous actor. Like, everyone knew me in the world. And I was going yeah. back home to my hometown, and there was a party, and so people were at the party, and I happened to sneak away with some people, and we drive, and, we're, and they're doing drugs in the car, and no one's paying attention to the road, and we hit a brick wall, and I died. Like, uh-huh. we all, I woke up. I woke up. So... Wow, wow, wow. Okay, there's so many symbols here. As I said, when we, you know, one dream could fill an entire, <laughs> an entire hour there's so much that I want to talk to you about here. I mean, you talked about dying, first of all, when you became famous, which is interesting because it's that, for me, is, is, is not about your real death. It's a very personal interpretation I would go for this because what it's saying is that you could likely get what you want and be famous. But when you do, be careful because you've still got a life to live and, and where you're going to get your meaning then from. So what it's saying is don't get all your sense of self and your meaning from your career as an actor, however much you love it. Because as we see played out in the media, there are people who have these fabulous opportunities on screen who are desperately, desperately unhappy because they haven't worked on their inner being. So what your streaming mind is saying, please focus on the journey rather than the destination. Just love what you do Make sure you connect with that powerful inner precognitive world because one day that world will actually be more exciting to you than becoming a famous actor. That will sustain you and give you the inner strength you need far more than any fantastic movie career will. Because if fantastic movie careers could make people happy, why are so many movie actors with fantastic careers deeply distressed and unhappy. And I'll tell you why, because they've externalized, they've got all their validation from outside themselves. And then when they get what they want, they have no idea who they are. You know who you are, Michael, right? That's and that's more valuable, more, more rich than any external success. The vehicle as well, this is a dream very much about your direction in life. If you're saying you're in a, in a vehicle and there's a party and it's all about you getting in the driver's seat of your life and understanding that your mindset is key and that as long as you're loving what you're doing and feeling alive in the present moment and happy and content, 
that is key. If you're in a vehicle in your dream, this is a tip for everyone listening, and you're not in the driver's seat, you need to try and work out who is driving that car. Because the ultimate aim, especially if you do dream incubation or dreamscaping, is to drive your dream cars and bikes and planes, be the pilot of your own plane, the captain of your own ship. Because then your dreaming mind saying, yes, you are setting the course. So be careful who, who is driving those vehicles. Um, but a really, really rich dream. Again, calling you back to that earlier David Bowie dream, it's saying that's the magic. You've got, but you've got to see that. You've got to understand that that is the true magic. And if you speak to people at the end of their careers, um, you know, who have got everything they want, they won't necessarily talk about that as the defining moment of their lives. It will be the, the messages from their heart, their inner world, that will be so much more important. At, it, it, you know, when we, when we reach the end of our lives, it would be, who are we from the inside out? Do I love myself? Have I fully explored my creativity and my sense of connection with others? That is going to be key now, Michael, because you know what happens when you get that inner world right? Success in the natural world just happens. Too many of us try and think, well, when I'm famous, then I'll be happy. If you could focus on being happy now, trust me, the good things will come. It's, it's, it, that's, how, that's how the universe works. And I found it in my own life as well, time and time again, when I get the self-belief, truly, and it doesn't really matter what happens externally, somehow things fall into place. But it's a journey of our lives getting there because it's first of all self-wisdom, self-care, self-love, belief that you are um, a precognitive dreaming being, an inner spirit. That's got to come first. Focus on that. The rest in your life will fall into place. We're going to take more calls after the break with Teresa Chung. Teresa, in the 30 seconds we have before the break, tell folks where they can get your books. Oh, thank you. Well, they're currently in Barnes & Noble, actually. I'm delighted they reissued in a Barnes & Noble edition. You can find them in every Barnes & Noble. And, of course, the usual um, suspects, Amazon.com, my publisher's HarperCollins. Uh, you can find, find my books. And you're on the website, you've got Facebook, Instagram, oh, you're I'm all over not, the place, I'm right? I'm very good at this, is it safe? Uh, com. I'm also on Instagram, at the Teresa Chung, and I have a Facebook pa- author page, um, which is, is probably my busiest. Um, but, yeah, and you just need to Google me. I'm, I'm, I'm quite prolific. I do a lot of media these days. Well, we've got links me. for you on all that. So we'll come back in just a moment here on Coast to Coast and take final calls next. And welcome back, George Norrie, our final segment with Teresa Chung. As we mentioned, her website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. She's got a presence on Facebook and Instagram. Her latest book is called Empower Your Inner Psychic, but she's also written one on dreams called The Dream Dictionary from A to Z, which she wrote in 2006. Let's go to the phones. John in Wisconsin to get our started. Hey, John. Hello, George. Hello, Teresa. Hi. Quick. Quick comment, and then I'd like to share two regular uh, dreams I have and get uh, Teresa's interpretation, please. But my comment is, Teresa, my longtime pastor's wife grew up in Liverpool and went to school at Cambridge University. She's a wonderful lady. And, Teresa, your clarity and wisdom remind me so much of her. So congratulations on all your accomplishments. 
the thank you so much john that's i'm 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 fearful thank you that's a lovely thing to say you're welcome now Teresa, here's the two um situations let me just back up a little bit um four years ago at age 62 i had to retire due to an unexpected disability so i had a lot of time on my hands three years ago i discovered coast to coast i rarely miss a show but my sleeping patterns are kind of unusual. They work for me. I rarely sleep more than three hours um, a, a night. But these two dreams are regular. Actually, they're nightmares, Teresa. The first one is I'm um, always missing appointments, missing customers late for my sales calls. I was in sales for 30 years prior to retiring. That's number one. And the second one, and I just had this one last night, I'm on the top of a very tall building just sitting on the edge, looking down, and I want to jump down because I don't want to be on top of the building, but I know I would get hurt if I jumped down. And I'm dangling on the edge. I'm thinking and praying, how am I going to get down here? And it's scary and frustrating, and then I wake up. But, Teresa, these two dreams are regular. I'm paying attention to what you're teaching us tonight on the meanings of dreams and the interpretation. I wonder if you could help me, please, interpret those two challenges I have. First of all, John, thank you again for your kind words and for phoning in, and I'm delighted that Coast to Coast is giving you sustenance. You know, you've had some tough times. Um, you know, you always have your dreaming mind. It is your best friend who doesn't lie to you. <laughs> so let's talk about these two dreams. I'm really grateful you did because they're actually very common dreams, but, of course, you've dreamt them in your own personal way. The first one is always like feeling like you're, you're late. Is that what I correct, or that you're missing out? And that you're you're not you're not you're not on time. Is that the first dream that that, that distresses yeah, you? That's, that's that's correct. Yeah, I mean, this is your dreaming mind being a bit cathartic and trying to exercise in the sleep state your anger and frustration about what's happened to you. It is a tough life challenge, but with every tough challenge, the opportunity for growth, you know, triples here. So the opportunity for you, now the physical world, the material is not so easy for you. You really are going to get your strength from within. And so dream, that, that is what this dream is trying to do. It's trying to help you cathartically release that stress. So think of it in a positive way. It's trying to help you release that stress in your waking life because you sound like a very kind and courteous man, very humble. And in waking life, maybe you aren't expressing that frustration enough because you don't want to upset the people you care about because you care about them. You know, that's, that's the kind of person you are. And I could tell that immediately when you, you started this call by saying something nice about me. You care about how other people feel. So you do that, which is wonderful, and I'm sure you're, you're so much loved as a result. However, your dreaming mind is saying, what about me? I need to stamp my feet. I need to deal with my frustration. So please think of both these dreams as your dreaming mind simply being cathartic and trying to deal with these difficult emotions that you've got to process at the moment clear it out and in particularly the one where you're sitting on top of a building and thinking about jumping down that is letting go as well you've got to let go of the past which you are doing i can tell you are doing but you've got to truly let it go and see well life's an adventure right now this is what it is i have no control over that anymore but i do have control over my mindset over my dreams i can dreamscape I can go on this fantastic inner voyage and maybe be part of the revolution of people, you know, many listening to Coast to Coast who know 
that there is more to this life than meets the eye, the material. And actually, in, in, we talked a lot with George about dream research. Um, there's a lot of dream research done on people with disabilities at the moment and, and using it to help them experience what they might be missing in their waking life as well. I'd love you to, to set the intention to dream and do in the dream state things that you maybe not got a chance to do before your disability because you, you, the brain doesn't know the difference. So you've kind of done it in the dream state as well. So you're, you, 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 when you wake up, you will have this feeling of liberation. I hope this is helping in some way. But what I'm saying, both these dreams, please don't fear them anymore. Please fall in love with them. They're your dreaming mind trying to help you process the shocks that you've gone through. And also trying to assert itself and say, well, in my, your waking life, you consider other people so much but I want it all to be about me, me, me now. And that's the wonderful thing about dreams. It's all about you. And it's trying to get the focus on you. And I'd love your dreams to start moving forward to more exciting things than being late for an appointment that you don't really need to get to anyway, or, or sitting on a building and maybe not looking at the view. Maybe next time you're in the, in the dream, if, if you could maybe try, practice some lucid techniques and see, I'm going to look at space. I'm going to look at the sky when I'm sitting here. I'm not going to worry about falling. I'm going to see what's seen, the bigger picture here. That's what your dreaming mind wants you to do. It wants you to escape from those kind of limitations that you might be putting on yourself personally uh, as a reaction to what's happened. And it wants to show you that material stuff is not all there is. It truly isn't. And, and there's so many people in tune with that message now. Um, I'm going to go all Braveheart here now. Um, they may take our lives, but they never take our freedom, if you know what I mean. That's, <laughs> That's right. what your dreaming mind is, <laughs> is, um, is trying to connect you to and give you that wild sense of joy that, you know, you, your consciousness is well and truly alive, whatever happens externally to your body. Next Nobody up, let's go to Scott in Costa Mesa, California. Go ahead, Scotty. Hello, George. Glad to talk across the pond to the U.K. Hello, Teresa. Hello. I, it's lovely to talk to you. Thank you. I love my dreams. I had a dream about 30-plus years ago, and it was like it was last night I had it. It was still so vivid in my brain. I love the, uh, the enjoyment, the experiences that they provide to me. They're such fun. It's hard to explain. What was that dream? You've got to tell us. <laughs> Well, it's, it's a long-winded one. I have actually more of a question than the, uh, uh, interpretation, but just sort of like it's hard to explain some dreams to people um, just because they're, they don't have the same reference point as I have. And depending on who you're yeah. talking to, like you, you would get it. But um, sometimes I think our dreams belong to us, you and you alone in a way. My question you're to you is absolutely right. Unless you're initiated into dream work, unless you get dream sharing isn't particularly helpful. And you may find if you have a friend who doesn't understand, they glaze over and they're just being polite when they listen. There can be nothing more tedious sometimes when people share their dreams if you don't understand dream work, um, exactly. as you clearly do. And um, that dream from 30 years ago, it's a memory, isn't it? It's a memory. It I mean, it's we've all had memorable dreams that just stay with us. Um, and, and it becomes a memory that you can revisit for sustenance over and over again. It is. And uh, if I could ask, like, a question, sort of like you were saying about, like, being the driver of your vehicle or the sailor of your ship, um, like water, 
water I hear sometimes symbolizes like rebirth. What about like falling or flying or floating? What are some falling other actually is a sign of feeling unsupported in your waking life. It's 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 typically one of the most the top three dreams because there is a dream chart. I love that in recent years again showing the explosion in dream research. There is like the top one hundred dreams regularly refreshed each year and falling and flying. Like flying, not so much so, and I'll explain why later, but falling, and particularly, as I said, during the, the, the pandemic and everything, falling dreams are very common. It's feeling unsupported and that you've got no firm ground. But if you do have a falling dream, the best thing is to just go with the flow with it and enjoy it rather than panic and to become come, come aware that you're dreaming, uh, you know, because it can then be a very positive dream. Flying dreams are seeing the bigger picture, liberation. And it's sad in a way that people used to dream about flying much more than they do these days um, because, you know, there's so many people panicking and worrying about things and being told what to do externally. Um, I want the world to start making flying dreams number one again because when you fly in a dream, I love it when I wake up with a flying dream um, because I know I've risen above. I can see the bigger picture of my life. It's like I know I'm more than my body and my mind. I've risen above. I see the beautiful bigger picture, and I'm free. It's beautiful. I want flying dreams right up there. At the moment, currently, um, the, the, the most common dream things are, are falling and, and snakes and spiders. Um, that, that, those are very common. But actually what's promising is dream babies. A lot of people, both men and women, are dreaming they're pregnant, whether they want to have a baby or not. And that is a sign, actually, of new ideas and new beginnings, yes, but more so for nurturing your own inner child, mm-hmm. that your inner child is crying out for, for being noticed. And you can notice and nurture and help your inner child overcome any trauma in the dream state as well. It's a wonderful way to kind of grow up again and be there for yourself in the dream state if in your life for whatever sad reason parents or carers weren't there for you or you had a trauma in the past that you need to revisit. You can do that in the dream state and nurture and connect with your inner child. Let's go to Lori in Brighton, Illinois. Get you in here, Lori. Go ahead. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um... Well, we don't have too much time, do we? Um, Pop out your dream real fast. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, this one's kind of short. It. Um, well, I was in a room with a woman who was your assistant, and she was, like, interviewing me and for a job for from you and... And I asked her, I kind of like asked her what I would be doing or something. And she just said, there's one word I couldn't remember, but she just said that you're so something smart or something, you'll figure it out. And then you walked in, and you didn't say anything, though. Um, And that was just it of that one. You're You're dreaming about me, huh? Oh, well, what does that mean, Teresa? George, that you are symbolizing something very important for Laurie's personal growth, that she's listening to you and she's learning from you. And your dreaming mind is saying, carry on doing that because it's helping you find a sense of connection with your own inner world. But again, your dreaming mind is always pulling you back to your role because when you have a dream of jobs, it's all about the role that you feel you have in this life. 
you've got to think, what role do you feel that you have? And are you currently feeling in line with that? Now, I suspect this dream is probably much more complicated, so I'd, I'd urge you just don't hesitate to message me. I also forgot to say I'm also on X now as well. Um, I don't have such a big presence on there, but I'm also on X, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Feel free to message me, and I will give you a more in-depth interpretation because we're running out of time, um, or as well as via my website, Um if, if you found that the dream was, was there were too many details for you. I was going to ask you that, Teresa. You get comments through your website, right? You take... All the time. It's, it's, it's one of the greatest joy. I, I feel so privileged and blessed to have the opportunity to make to, to have my, my job being writing, constantly writing books about subjects I love. If any reader who messages me, and I always give my email in my books, I will always, sometimes it takes a while, always reply and either point them to someone else who can help them or offer suggestions or tips and that's something I just absolutely love to do and I'll just go back to Laurie because there was a voice in her dream Laurie listen to the voice in your dream you know in, in Jungian school of dream analysis the voice is when you hear voices in your dream it's the most powerful call from your inner world and it's telling you you're smart trouble is your your waking self I don't think is fully believing that you need to believe that. Need and, to believe and Teresa, that. I want you to come back uh, more quicker than three years, okay? Oh, I'd love to. I've got three more books coming out next year. <laughs> All right. You, you let us know when you're ready. Thank you. Teresa Chung, great dream interpreter. For Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean LaDesore, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burroughs, Tim Banal, George Knapp, and Ian Punnett. I'm George Norrie, somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.